following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? Do you realize as we were singing, Remember your children. That's when Michelle was chasing that little one. <laughs> down the aisle. (laughs) Then I looked at the scripture this morning, and we're going to look at Acts 2, uh, verses 42 to 47, and I realized when I looked that up to give you the same hint that Heath always gives you to begin, if it would help you, in the Pew Bibles, that's page 911. (laughs) Acts 2.11 is a call to community. Um, what the church should be as the church, the body of Christ. And we're going to take a look at that today. And, uh, and I'll start and finish with the same challenge, and that is we're called not to come to church, but we're called to be the church. And so we're going to look at Scripture today and say, what does God say about this motley group of people that he pulls together that we call so eloquently the body of Christ, And how are we supposed to behave and grow and love one another? So I have the first part of it we'll put on the screen. You don't necessarily need to turn, but if you want to, it's (laughs) 9-11. Fellowship of believers. Um, It's called koinonia. How are we to behave and grow and live together as Christians? The scripture says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being served. Well, here at Crossroads Church, we talk about our church fellowship as being a family of families. So today I thought we'd take a look at God's Word and see what He says about this fellowship of believers. Who are we supposed to be? The Bible calls it koinonia which means communion by intimate participation. Now, I want to say that again. Koinonia, you don't need to remember that word, but what does it mean? Participation, us participating in an intimate participation, intimate relationship. The basic meaning of koinonia embraces concepts that we recognize in words like community, communion, joint participation, sharing and intimacy. That's why I said it's intimate participation. And we don't do enough of that here. Now, I have to tell you that in many of the churches that I've been in, we do more than most, you know. When you come in here on a Sunday morning and we gather together as a fellowship, there's more interpersonal relationships within this group Uh, than in most assemblies that come together on a Sunday morning. But I'm not talking about Sunday morning. And we'll see as we get deeper into what God says. Let me give you a biblical example of intimate fellowship 
from the scriptures. And this comes from John 13, verses 3, 3 through 5. So I just want to let you see, what's one of the times when they had this koinonia? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now that's intimate participation. This slide shows one way that that might happen in the church today. The church family helping others in our community. A couple families here maybe remember uh, several years ago when we went out as a church to help uh, a lady living by herself out in Tamworth Village and we scraped and painted and rode a tilde and cleaned up the backyard and did all kinds of things just to help her out. That was spurred on by my daughter and the mission kids that came up from Boston with the Boston Project and they showed us by example how to how to roll up our sleeves and go out and help someone else in their time of need. I remember with another church that I was worshiping with when a family got burned out of their home in Brownfield and the men who showed up for the men's breakfast that morning, they ate quickly and then they went out to help carry out charred timbers and clean up a yard and begin to make uh, the home a point where the folks could move back in out of the trailer they were staying in in the yard intimate participation. But I want to come back to Acts 2 and look a little closer. I want to show you how God's Word further defines and expands the teachings of this early church in Acts 2. <clears throat> and I want to use it with supporting some other biblical texts and at the same time show you a glimpse of how that may play out in our lives as people here at Crossroads. The next slides that you'll see as I hit each point, they're not meant to be comical, but they're meant to show you an example or a snippet of how it might be with us as a family if we carry out these attributes of the church in Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. One example I give you from scriptures from Matthew 28, 18. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And what did Acts 2 say to the church? Devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Well, that's one of them, the command of Christ. We looked at it as a great commission. How do we teach disciples today at Crossroads to obey Jesus' commands. Is it only from the pulpit? I hope not. We study God's Word together. We encourage each other. We explain Scripture. We challenge one another. But if it only happens when we come to gather as a family on Sunday morning, we're missing what God called the church to do. That's not the family of God that He said, come together on a Sunday morning and you'll be all set the rest of the week. says also and to fellowship the koinonia 
the intimate participation. I would challenge you this morning and say, of the folks that you know here at Crossroads Church, that you could bump into them on a Sunday morning and greet them and you know them by name. Do you know where they live? Do you know what they do for work? Do you know when their birthday is or their anniversary? Do you know anything about them? Do you know what their hobbies are, what they like to do? Do you really know them? Or do you know them because you know their name and you bump into them on Sunday morning? Koinonia Fellowship says you know them. You'll know when they're hurting. You'll know when they're blessed. You'll know about them so that when your lives can mesh, they'll mesh. And they were devoted, it says, to the breaking of bread. Sometimes we think of that as communion. In Matthew 14, 19, he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. When their breaking of bread was breaking of bread in a literal sense, the loaf was there on the table and they broke it and they spread it and they ate together and they fellowshiped in each other's homes. And so the challenge would say, if we are an Acts 2 church, when's the last time you spent time with someone from our fellowship around a meal? And downstairs once a month doesn't count, okay? That's not a koinonia time aside from Sunday morning. That is Sunday morning. It's a part of it. But, you know, either at their home or your home or somewhere else, even if you met somewhere but are we spending mealtime together from time to time and sharing and getting to know each other? And the scripture says they were devoted to prayer. In Acts 1.14, they all joined together, scripture says, constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. As a body of Christ this morning, I could challenge you and say, do you take notes on a Sunday morning when John is here collecting what's on our hearts and make a note of the praises and the prayer concerns so that you can remember them and pray for them and praise God for them beyond Sunday morning? Or do you just read the weekly email prayer list that comes out? Or do you stop and pray over the prayer list that comes out? If you read over it, you gain knowledge. If you prayed over it, you're part of the Acts 2 church. Maybe midweek prayer meeting is something you can meet. But I would repeat what Heath said too. If you're not able to make 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, just let us know what day would be good for you. Prayer is an important thing. You can encourage one another in prayer by being a part of the Koinonia Fellowship in prayer. And that would be, let's say, I don't know anything about Bill's work, so don't, don't spread any rumors. Let's say Bill's having trouble with a coworker at the dump. And we pray about that. You know how much encouragement it would be to Bill if sometime during the week or even if you bump into him next Sunday, you say to him, how are things going with your, with your co-worker? You know why? Because he knows you've been praying for him. 
Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders, with with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all believers were together with everything, having everything in common. And Acts 4:32 says all believers were in one heart and mind. No one. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. I remember a pastor in a church when I was growing up. I don't even know that it was, I don't even think the church was a born-again church. It's a little congregational church in my hometown. But something the pastor said one time really hit home with me, and it was a, a family had lost their home in fire, and they were looking to gain, get possessions for them, gathering clothes and, and so forth. Um, and the pastor said, and he gave out the sizes and so forth, and he said, if you have those things, if that's your size, then when you go to the closet to look for a shirt and a pair of pants to give to Joe, please don't take the ones you never wear. Please don't take the ones you don't like. Look in the closet and give him the best ones you've got. Verse 45 says, They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And Acts 4.34 says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that were there, there were no needy persons among them. We... We have such an opportunity to be generous with what God has given us to meet the needs of others around us. And we do take some good steps that way as a congregation. There's always a box in the front foyer that says 68 hours of hunger. And anything you drop in that box helps some kids who wouldn't get decent meal or food through the weekend because their family's not able to provide. And the backpacks of stuff that go out each weekend to help those kids are extremely helpful. We do some of that through our mission giving. We do some through the things we gather and put into shoe boxes and send out to Operation Christmas Child. We do some if you grab a tag off the, the tree out here and get a gift for a child through the angel tree. Some of that is something you um, can plan ahead for and make it a part of your family. If your family's going to contribute something this next week to the box for 68 hours of hunger, then make it a time when as a family you go out and get those things. That as a family you sit down and pray over those things and pray for the kids that may take them and then bring them here and drop them off. Or the same with the shoebox, that, that little shoebox. If you plan now, you can have a shoebox or two ready by October or November. But more than that, it can be a learning experience for the kids in your family to go out and get these things and pray about them and what would they like to tuck in the box. They can put a picture of themselves. They can put a prayer note. They can put whatever they want. If you write a little note in there, um, Samaritan's Purse will even translate that into the language of the child the, the that's going to receive it. But more than just running to Walmart and getting a bunch of junk and throw it in a shoebox and drop it in the foyer, you know, but make it a part of the giving of the family where we reach out and make an attempt to help others so there is not a need. Verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
Um, don't panic, Keith. I'm not ex expecting church every day. I'm not, I'm not expecting that because the supporting verse that I gave you for this is Acts 5.42, and it says this, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And I would suggest that we do well from the temple courts. We're not doing so well from house to house. And we can get better at that. Verse 46 goes on to say, They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Now that's true koinonia. But you see, if we're not careful, we can get lulled into thinking that the atmosphere and structure for spiritual growth within the body of Christ is done only here at church and that it's only led by the pastor. That's just not what Scripture says, not from what we read this morning. There are over 50 verses. I call them one another verses. Verses where we're supposed to do stuff together as, as people within the body. Those one another verses in the Bible, they say things like, God expects from us love, one another, devotion, honor, be perfectly united one to another, humility, kindness, compassionate, forgiving, admonishing, encouraging, and those are best accomplished when we've got quality time with each other in a small and an intimate setting where strong and trusting relationships can be built. That what I share with you, I know will stay with you. I know that you'll pray for me. I know that you'll encourage me. I know that you'll check in with me. Remember that when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he started with this small group of 12 guys. That was his small group, I guess. And all through the New Testament, we see home groups studying scriptures together, praying, living life together. The meeting together of small house groups was a dominant characteristic of the early church. That's why it was so much stressed in the beginning of Acts. How are you supposed to behave? And in a small and intimate setting, scripture study becomes relational. That means as we study scripture and we ask questions and we can mesh our lives with what God just said, we get more meat from that, we get more learning from that, and we grow. It's hard to do that in the middle of the message that pastor brings on a Sunday morning. You know, it's kind of tough to say, wait a minute, pastor, but in my life this week, you know, we stop him in the middle of the message to, to, to plug in. But you can do that when you're meeting together in smaller group numbers. Lives are transformed. Potentials for Christ are reached. The Holy Spirit just invites us to, to guide us through teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. We all have what I call people needs that I know when we get together in smaller numbers, God is able to help provide. Some things like building relationships. And that's why I said on a Sunday morning, it's tough to build relationships. 
I'm excited to watch it happen. And some of that does happen. Don't misunderstand me. I was, I was blown away when uh, Bill and Becky first met Mike and Tatiana. And Tatiana stood with Bill, both speaking to each other in Russian. Who knew? God knew. And so some of that stuff does happen among us on a Sunday morning. But it happens much, much more and to a deeper level when we get together individually in smaller groups apart from Sunday morning. Personal and spiritual growth happens. Sharing our lives with other people in a caring community. We do some of that on Sunday morning. That's why John always gives us that time. What's going on and what can we pray for and how do you want to praise God this morning? But we can get even deeper into that in a, in a setting where you know you've got a small number of people. You can trust what's going on. You know that you can bring these things and these people will care. There's a connectiveness and a sense of community that gets tighter and more loving than just a Sunday morning gathering. There's a ministry of support where you dare to say to somebody else, this is what I'm struggling with. Help to hold me accountable. Call me in the middle of the week. Ask me how I'm doing with that. Or if you see me doing this, speak to me. That whole level of accountability. God calls us into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but he intends us to learn in community. Hebrews 10, 24 and 5 says this, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So why do I take time today to share with you what God's Word says about getting together in smaller groups as Christians? I do that because that's what He wants. That's what He desires. And there are also great benefits for you. Benefits like understanding better the Bible, significant discussions about real life and what's going on, a place to serve and use your spiritual gifts. You get a group of people who genuinely care about you. You get more friends. You get to contribute to the lives of others. You get some laughter and some fun. I remember a TV show, Cheers, it was a bar scene where the same people came in, met each other each week, but I remember the byline of the show. I remember it because it was a lie, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. The byline was, a place where you belong, where everybody knows your name. There's nothing more false about that than people gathered in a bar. That's not a place where you belong and everybody gets to know your name. But when the body of Christ does gather for koinonia, guess what? It is a place where you belong. And it is a place where everybody gets to know your name. It's especially a safe and a challenging place to grow personally and spiritually. At this point, we as a church need leaders. Folks who are willing to lead and to learn how to lead a small group into their home or a small group of our family into more intimate relationships with Christ. Those smaller groups will be studying God's Word together and fellowshipping and perhaps getting involved in a mission 
They'll be breaking bread together, including communion. They'll be praying together. They'll be caring for each other. Maybe you feel like I could do that. Then just speak with Pastor Heath or speak with me or speak with John. Or maybe you're saying, well, I might like to give that a shot, but I'd like to learn more about it. Speak to Pastor Heath, speak to me. We'd be glad to work with you. And when the opportunity arises for you to get involved in one of these groups, don't hesitate. Jump in. Be blessed. Watch the family grow in grace. And God will bless you all. And I end with the same way I started. God doesn't call us to come to church. He calls us to be the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the challenges that you place before us. And I thank you for the people that you bring together here, our Crossroads family. Thank you, Lord, for new faces that walk through the door so often. And for the older faces that we've come so familiar with, and yet you've challenged us, do we really know them well? Help us, Lord, to grow in your grace. Prepare us that we may be deeper in a relationship with one another, true koinonia, the church the way you would have it to be. And we'll give you the thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.